0: Hello and welcome. My name's Karen O'Connor and this is Things That Make You Go Hmm. This is your podcast to help you make the most of the wisdom and experience that comes with getting that little bit older. Let's get right into it. Now you're working with veterans of things and people post-COVID as well, post-traumatic stress disorder. How does this I am with all of that. Not
1: every veteran has post-traumatic stress disorder. There is obviously maybe different issues that that they would have to go through in terms of going away for long periods of time and this being quite stressful on themselves and on their family members. and obviously also sometimes going through post- trauma following incidents from deployment or, but a lot of it is often also, again, whether you're a civilian or whether you're in the army or the Navy or the air force, a lot of childhood trauma. So there can be, it's there's not a rule, but a lot of what we often repeat is past things unconsciously. That doesn't mean that we have to go back to working through all of that and remembering all of that because sometimes that's really not a good thing. Sometimes that can traumatize us even more. So when we want to get to the whole the topic I suppose today is repeating, is adjusting, if we want to get to a point of where we want to adjust and health more healthily we really need to Listen to what we need. Some people that is talking for other people that is exercising, that is doing other forms of body work, that's doing yoga, that's doing Pilates, that's doing group training, that's running. Whatever it is for that person can be different. But sometimes talking about it does help. But it doesn't mean we have to go into every nook and cranny and deal with this and when. You know, your father left it. What's important is to be able to do grounding exercises, to ground ourselves in the present moment, and to recognize when we tend to do things that are maybe self-destructive, not good for us, so that we can try to recognize it. When we acknowledge and we recognize, that often gives us a lot of answers moving forward. It's just that we compulsively just repeat and we can obsessively do things. The sort of good example, the Harry Potter thing isn't destructive. It isn't obsessive in a terrible way. But I suppose if you were doing, if you needed to do it and you got anxious, if you didn't do it, then it probably would be. There are other things that we can do, which indicates that that we're looking to control and we're looking to ground and we're, we're, we are so caught up in it and it is hard to change those things because in some way they feel safe they feel familiar and they're working for us all negative behaviors have a good benefit they have a benefit for us otherwise we wouldn't do that.
0: this episode is going out after at the start of the new year so i've just done a series on grief leading up to christmas yeah and i wanted to start off the new year talking about okay we because Christmas can be really traumatic for any number of reasons. And talking about these repetitive behaviours and adaptability, okay, so two sides of this question. How do we recognise what goes on? Because it doesn't matter how long ago somebody died, Christmas can still be very negative for people.
1: Absolutely. It is overwhelmingly known that at times of when there's going to be an anniversary, coming together of families usually Christmas time, so that anniversary of a coming together and then if there's members of the family that are not there, it's huge. But it's a time of celebration and when you've had obviously all this loss and whatever, you may not want to celebrate the whole Grinch thing, but the point is that it is a time when family usually comes together. And I can't even tell you how often I see people that are maybe not talking to their families or maybe not connected to their families or maybe want to rather be with friends, maybe don't like certain guests that are coming to their Christmas celebrations, for example, can be very stressful. And so forward planning is really important. And again, this what's really important is that we need to know for ourselves in our guts What is it that we need instead of trying to please others or that because we should have, this is how it should be, as opposed to how it is. Maybe that doesn't mean sitting alone in a dark room by yourself or having a drink, but it means being with people that lift you up. It means being with a support person. It may not be. And sometimes you can't get to your family. Look at what COVID's done. Look at how... We've been robbed of all these things. So that's extra traumatic now because we're still even in COVID. But that post where we couldn't see families and even now getting together with families is so huge. It's so massive. And maybe we put too much expectation on it as well, which can be stressful. You haven't seen a family member for a really long time. You think, why should you feel awkward about seeing your siblings? but you haven't seen each other for so long. Maybe that's been due to COVID or some other reasons. Speak, big. But Christmas time is a really hard time. It's coming to the end of the year. It all really is a stressful time, especially when you've been go the whole year and then suddenly you stop.
0: It's so hard because there are so many expectations around Christmas. I'm Gonna talk about myself here, gonna pull on that narcissistic tendency. We moved out like you did, you moved from South Africa, we moved from the UK. Christmas in a hot space does not feel like Christmas to me. But I have four children. I have to create a Christmas around it. And Christmas feels like Christmas to them because they're all Australian. But to me, I still find it really stressful because it never lives up to my expectation.
1: The familiarity of home, mm. the safe, special, the sights, the sounds, the smells—that the, everything that you had—is it's irreplaceable. And so, even though you try to create it, and you're doing it as you say, mainly for others, I don't think anything can replace the how special it was when you did it every year at home. It was familiar. It was beautiful. It was something known and it was special. And now it's special and it's wonderful to have all the family together, but it can't. And this is what I think is hard with loss and hard with humans is that we defend against mourning. We defend against loss. And going back to what I said about the three most stressful life events, it's death, it's breakup or divorce, and it's moving. It's immigration mainly because of these reasons, the familiarity and the love and the everything of home. And you are supposed to replace that when it's years spent growing up. You you can't replace that. And so you have to almost mourn it each year. And the level of sadness that comes with it will obviously vary, but it doesn't mean that Karen's all depressed and ungrateful for the Christmas with her family. if, she misses home and longs for it. And that's where we can be quite hard on ourselves. That, that's you know, saying it, yeah. it's says all. to herself, what the hell is wrong with you? You should be grateful. You're with your family, celebrating. And, you know, this is such a pleasant time. How can you be so, you know, you're in Australia. Stop it. And that's not what you should be saying to yourself. You should be going there, there. Of course you feel that way. And allowing yourself to remember. And although that feels painful and sad, might get a few tears, might get some uncontrollable crying. But then you're going to, after five minutes of uncontrollable crying, you're going to splash water on your face and you're going to feel better. But you're allowing yourself to feel the loss and the longing because that's normal and necessary.
0: How do you communicate that to other people? That because... it's is- Just say somebody's died, and other people, everybody deals with it in a different way. So, you're all sitting there at Christmas and you're feeling that loss, but somebody else might not want to be reminded of it. How do you deal with it? Can you talk about it? What do you do? What are the options? That will depend on you. And if you
1: are, it, it would be good if you felt like the people that you were surrounded by were supportive but that goes with that you should be surrounding yourself with supportive people that you know are going to be there for you and that are not just self-serving or that you feel like you can't say anything because and also i think we we worry about burdening people we worry about people not liking us or feeling like we're making people sad or we ruining their christmas we don't have that kind of power to ruin someone's life just like you if i said if your friend or that or your family member was tearful or felt the loss, would you be like, shut up and hold, your, pull yourself together? You would try and make them feel better. You would go there, there. You would give them a hug. You would understand their pain, their grief. They can't pull themselves out of it. It's happened to them. It's normal and natural for them to feel upset. If it's lost you to the loved one, if it's not being with people during Christmas or missing home. It's having that compassion and that empathy and allowing, if you have compassion and empathy, you should expect that others have compassion and empathy. But I suppose what's really important is to think about what do you want to talk at that moment? If you feel like, okay, talk is, I'm just going to cry, and I'm not going to be able to stop crying, and I don't want to, maybe part of you, okay, I don't want to spoil it, but I feel like it's going to make it worse for me, then maybe it's about going and splashing some water on your face That's not to wake you up. It's basically to stop that cortisol response, which is the stress response. And that can also distract ourselves when we are feeling sad. Maybe we'll just need a moment just to go outside and take some breaths. Or we can start doing the breathing when we're there. We can just take a breath through our nose. It's a deep breath. And then slowly out through the mouth. That's compressed breathing. And we should be doing this up to about five times a day, where we should be inhaling and then slowly exhaling, because inhaling is an active process. Exhaling is a slow process, and so we want to go really slow with that, almost purse our lips together, almost like an, in a whistle to maybe try to get that breath out slowly once we've breathed in. And that does help us to ground ourselves, does help us to release that feeling or in our tummies, wherever we feel it. But the the loss that we feel is necessary. It's normal. We need to feel our feelings. We need to give permission to those feelings. That helps us to move past them. And as we know, we don't, we always think we're going to start crying and we're not going to be able to stop. But there's very few times that happens to people. We feel it at the time intensely, but in an hour's time, we're doing something else. We're engaged in something else and we feel okay. And it's necessary for us to think about that relative or that person that we've lost when you're talking about grief. Sometimes it's actually quite good to have a little window in a day where we give ourselves that time that we can just think about that person or think about our feelings.
0: Why is that the vast generalization here? Why is it that most of us don't feel able to share grief publicly or in, in a we don't feel safe enough to share that we're feeling upset about somebody or that we grieve in somebody it's almost not the done thing in western society yeah
1: i think more and more we are moving towards trying to get people to express like for example even this are you okay and all of that and And actually giving ourselves permission and trying to give other people permission. But I think that can vary, as you say, from person to person. It can have a lot to do with one's upbringing. If we had perhaps parental figures or caregivers that were quite guarded, that held their feelings inside, that either internalized their feelings or avoided talking about their feelings and things. Sometimes that will make us, in a way, struggle to do that. If we had parents or a parent figure that was quite stoic and we were told if we came from a time either we were seen and not heard or it was a situation of we see that parent not really expressing themselves, not really allowing for those feelings, sometimes that can be a reason. So it really depends but other times we are far too keen to please others. And what we feel is that it won't, it will be burdening for others. Now, that could also be because in our home, we felt like either our parent figure was very burdening, as in they expressed a lot of emotion too much emotion or were too shut down or depressed. or And we know how that felt on us consciously or unconsciously. And so sometimes we fear that. And that's a big one that often we feel like we're going to burden someone, even if it's our closest friend, even if someone says, oh, I'm fine. But sometimes we actually feel burdened. Sometimes we have those friends or family members that actually do burden us and do are not okay and do burden us. And we feel like, oh, we don't want to do that to somebody else. But I think what we need to do is somehow get a balance. Between we do need to be mindful of other people, but we can't live our lives for them. And it's so cliched. I'm sure most people that you've spoken to at some point have spoken about the analogy of the oxygen mask in the (laughs) aeroplane, but that we need to put the oxygen mask on ourselves and then put it on everybody else. And we don't do that. Are We there to put it on everyone else. And then what happens is that we... Half the time we can't actually put it on everyone else because we suffocate it. We, we, we haven't had oxygen and, and passed out or, or died. And then the other person is either okay or not okay. But we have to put it on ourselves and we also want to have that for our children. So if we look after ourselves, if we allow ourselves to feel what we need to feel within reason and not protect our children from their feelings, Validate their feelings, allow them to express all forms of emotion, happiness, sadness, anger. And a lot of us are not allowed to do those things. And when we're not allowed to, we can't really give permission to that. We see these things as so negative. Oh, this feeling angry. And if we can say, You're feeling really angry because you wanted to go see Timmy today and we've run out of time, not you'll see Timmy tomorrow.
0: You've got nothing to cry about. What does that do? So how do we, I'm just looking at the time here. (laughs) I knew this was going to go over. In terms of being adaptable, what would you suggest that, because I still struggle, like you say, oxygen massing, I'll be kind to everybody else and understanding, but with myself, very difficult, very judgmental. I should be able to, I ought to. What am I doing this for? Lots and lots of negative judgment. How do you create an adaptability and an understanding within yourself to move your life forward. So if we focused
1: on that, do you have any right now, if you brainstormed and thought about why, Karen, maybe that was happening, do you come up with anything? What information is coming into your mind? What sort of thoughts might be coming into your mind that is giving you some information about why that is?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think because if I'm for me, if I'm not in action, if I'm not doing something, then I'm a waste of space. That's literally what I say to myself. I've got to be doing something or I'm a waste of space. So I do anything other than sit still.
1: (laughs) And what you've touched on is the very difficulty that most people have. This is definitely not just a unique thing to you with sitting with oneself because that is the hardest thing and what we don't realize is that's a skill to sit in silence is a skill to sit with oneself to give oneself a space because if we give oneself a space the fear is that stuff that is not pleasant to us is going to come into our minds maybe unpleasant thoughts But what we need to do is develop an awareness. And this is more cognitive behavioral therapy, which really helps with this and really challenging our negative thought patterns, really trying to see what our thoughts are. And so we can use writing rather than just having a sort of making a mental note of it to actually see how many times a day to start recording our thoughts. See how many times a day it goes through our minds of self-talk incredibly important to think about what was happening there. Were you told somewhere that you were lazy? Did you see people around you that didn't do anything? Where does this all come from? That could also be a key, that if you've been told that you're lazy or told that you need to be productive or told that you're not doing enough, that can be internalized as where are these messages coming from? Are these early messages? Are these messages somewhere later in life? Is there a situation where you were bullied or where you start to then bully yourself or you start to have thoughts related to other things? But overall, we don't like to sit with ourselves and we don't give ourselves time. We don't give ourselves patience. What we give to others is not what we give to ourselves. You're afraid of sitting with yourself because maybe. Then you're going to think about things. Then you're going to think about what you would have done if you didn't have four children or what you wanted to do instead of COVID or what COVID has taken away from you or whatever is going on or what you would have liked to have done last week that you didn't get a chance to or what work sits ahead of you that you don't know if you can do. And we also procrastinate things that are difficult. And that's getting onto a whole separate topic of perfectionism. That could also be a reason because you feel like you have to be perfect and perfect people don't sit down in front of the TV.
0: Is there a correlation between adaptability and the negative thoughts, the negative thought patterns?
1: It's shown that negative thoughts, that pessimistic people generally suffer. They suffer more with their health they suffer more with thoughts about things. They struggle to see the positive side of things and they're more prone to developing depression. So we really have to manage those negative thoughts. But what happens is that thoughts often become beliefs. And that's why sometimes what we need to do is instead when we have a thought pop into our head, we're gonna go, you're lazy. If you sit down, you can rather say to yourself, how you reframe it for yourself is to say to yourself, ah, I'm having a thought that if I sit down and watching watch the TV, I'm being lazy. It's a thought of mine. What other thoughts could I possibly have? So do you see the sort of reframing of that and how we do not stop ourselves when we have these negative selves and also make assumptions about others, even our, the closest people to us. We make assumptions about what they're feeling. They they could be really stressed about their day, but because your husband didn't ask you how you were and you had a really important thing, it means that he doesn't care about you. This is what we do
0: to us. We, he doesn't care. Yeah, we do. I was going to go off somewhere then. I had a really good question. I've completely forgotten what it is now. The um, reason why that's happening
1: is because all of this talking. Remember, this is, I suppose, what Freud talked about with the talking cure is that the reason why talking is often helpful and why sometimes it's also scary is because we just, if we allow ourselves to just associate and talk about things, we relax and we start to just talk about whatever comes to mind. And then unconscious things can actually come out because we are letting that guard down and we're just talking about whatever comes to mind. Without telling ourselves that's in a box and we can't talk about it. So we might not let everything come up, but we just, when we're talking about things, it reminds us of maybe things. It reminds us of our things from our childhoods or from the past or from, and then we sometimes forget what we're going to say because our minds are going elsewhere because it's not all a conscious process, if that makes any sense.
0: It totally does. I love these kinds of conversations because I never know where they're going to go. I love it. I come out of a conversation like this feeling really clear because I've had, I just let go of everything and just listen, allow the thoughts to come. So they're actually, it's really good therapy, this kind of conversation for me mm. because it is very, I. it's a kind of meditation almost. Mm. But I
1: think you said it yourself, you don't give yourself a space. You, Karen, are so busy with everything that you don't give yourself a space just to talk about you and the little bit of talking about you, which possibly feels like a lot to you and is nothing. It's like the top of an iceberg in some way has felt like we've concentrated and focused on you and that you have been able to get something out as opposed to just being dealing with everybody else all the time.
0: Yeah, that's. That is so spot on. I cannot tell you. I feel like I'm feeling a bit Ooh, about this episode. So I'm like, I've spoken about me a lot. <laughs> it's really fascinating. And how does that kind of thinking, I was going to deflect there and go, we really need to wrap up in a minute. And then I realized yeah. I was deflecting. How yeah. does that impact our behavior? Because that is a negative pattern, isn't it? Going, oh, my God, spoken about myself. Let's move on. Yes, absolutely,
1: because it's uncomfortable. And part of that is because it's weird to speak about ourselves. And that's why therapy is such a weird space. It's like, where do you go in life and talk just about yourself and not know anything about the other person? It's huge. And I think we also don't give it enough airtime because we feel like, again, we don't want to burden the other person. We don't want the other person to think that we're selfish. We don't want to take the floor, all of these things. But that's what we have, that's what we should enjoy in our partnerships and our friendships is that it needs to be, there needs to be a space for both of us. But with the stress of life, I suppose a lot of us are extremely time poor. A lot of us don't have families around us. Going back to the Christmas theme of a lot of us are maybe expats, don't have family around and we just have our partners or our children or our families as our main support. So we are lacking in support. We need so much from another person that, in a way, also feels hard because we don't really have that. We we we've only got that one person, so we don't want to overwhelm that one person. Oh, this is what's going on for him. It's like I've also got stuff going. Talk to the hand, but that. So it is important that we do have a few people to talk to and a few people to have relationships with. They don't have. It doesn't have to be therapy. I'm not trying to sell anything here. I think that all of us need. To have a space, mainly because of the power of the unconscious, is because we can't process our own unconscious.
0: Now, I no. am aware that we've been talking for well over an hour and a half, so we do need to wrap it up. In terms of moving forward with this next year, because this is going out at the start of the year, yeah. what would be your the one thing, or the, what would be the most important things to say to people? I
1: think that you need. To incorporate exercise into your weekly routine, you need to set a schedule, waking up at the same time every single morning, going to bed at the same time at night. This may seem obvious to you, but we need enough sleep. We need quality sleep, working till all hours of the night, and then waking up, we're not going to be able to be productive. We may struggle with sleep issues, and then we need to really look. Even before we struggle with sleep issues, we need to have a really good sleep routine. We need to incorporate things that can help us to relax, whether it have a warm bath before you go to bed, aromatherapy, whatever it is that you need to incorporate. No blue, no, no light, having blue light, just having a darker room. If it's necessary for us to really take time out for ourselves, even if it is to go for a walk. Meditation is unbelievable if we practice that every single day, 10 to 20 minutes a day. There's the most popular apps today are the Headspace app or the Smiling Minds app, but there are others. You can go on, you can have a look at what those are. But if we can incorporate that, and then everyday mindfulness, to be mindful, and these are our senses, so to look at things that we can hear, smell, taste, touch, So when we're eating, to choose slower. It might be painstaking, stupid things that we're thinking about. I'm not going to do that. But we need to do that. When we're making a cup of tea, we need to listen to the sound of the kettle. We need to listen to the sound of the water. When it goes into the cup, we need to taste it slowly. We need to focus on the moment-to-moment things because this is what grounds us. This is what prevents the overwhelm. Big thing is that we shouldn't make any life-changing decisions when we are going through a trauma. So when we're going through the loss of a loved one or changes in our lives that are already big, we shouldn't, as a rule, generally make life-changing decisions. We should give ourselves time. That could be sometimes up to a year. We need to give ourselves that extra time. It's a time that we have these kind of New Year's resolutions. If our New Year's resolution is that we maybe want to be more social, that we might have been a bit more withdrawn, also because of COVID we might have done it because of the situation, then we need to almost set that as a goal so that have that written down, that making a a sort of arrangement with someone once every two weeks to catch up for a coffee, networking, doing things like that, that we slowly get into it. So setting goals, knowing what's, trying to also focus on little things. So when we do a to-do list, there shouldn't be more than three things on that to-do list. Not a whole lot of huge things. So how can we cope means that we should really set a schedule because we need a structure. When we don't have structure, we're all over the place. So that really helps. It really helps with grief. It really helps with everyday life. We need to have that. We also need to reach out to others and actually do a form of exposure therapy. So allow ourselves to rely on others. If we're a person that's pretty independent and self-reliant, we need to do that. If we're a person that's too dependent, then we need to start doing things more ourselves. We start to need to develop that independence somehow. Maybe we can start with, I don't know, go to a movie by oneself. We need to maybe spend some time. And that's why meditation is so important. Or just even sitting down with no with nothing and just giving ourselves a few minutes just to sit with ourselves. Practice the breathing while you're doing it. But giving permission to our feelings is important. And distracting ourselves from stuff is also important.
0: Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you.
1: No worries. It's been good to be here and it's been good to to get to know you a bit and Hopefully, the imparting of this will assist people in just allowing a space for themselves in realizing that it's really normal to be stressed, to feel anxious, and instead of labeling oneself and being unkind to oneself and trying to tell oneself to just snap out of it Or it's been, I have so many people, it's been six months, I should be over this by now. Or I'm in a new relationship, it should be okay. Or just to really realize that it takes time and give oneself time. If you're dating, give yourself time. Don't start with the person's not going to wait and I can't do this. And reach out. Reach out to people that are your loved ones, your friends, your family, work colleagues. These thoughts in one's mind that no, I have nothing to offer and people are not going to be interested. I'm going to say the wrong thing. It keeps us stuck. It results in withdrawal. It can really make things worse. And above all, we do tend to go to the things that are quick fixes. Alcohol, drugs. Alcohol in itself is it wipes out one's memory. That's why it's so good. That's why it's so effective. So for that time, you don't have to remember anything. Okay, you suffer the hangover, but it's momentary. And it can be a central nervous system depressant. And drugs also. We realize that when we are playing with dopamine levels and our brains are addicted, we need more and more in order to get the same effect. And it can develop us having full-blown anger management issues as well. So we really want to obviously do things in moderation, but where we recognize that maybe it's too much instead of being unkind to ourselves, realizing that relapses can sometimes be normal, but to reach out and talk about things, maybe go to an AMA meeting, do stuff proactively because sitting with things, hoping that it's going to change, trying to do something in the same way and expecting a different result is never going to happen.
0: Thank you so much. Oh, and by the way, I will put all your contact details on the webpage that go with this episode. So if anybody (laughs) wants to get in touch with Romy, then all the information's there, which is wonderful.
1: Yes. Thank you. And they can always message me through my, it comes to my email, through my website. If you're needing anything else, love to chat. I'm happy to to do other topics in the future. If you ever want to invite me again, I'm sure there's plenty people, but I do enjoy it. And I'm happy to, if there's anything you want to, you want to ask me, I'm happy to contribute.
0: I will be in touch with you about that. That would be absolutely fantastic because this has been great If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends, please. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving with some great ideas that can make a difference in your everyday life. Until next time.